Okay, so uh, it's always different when I record by myself as opposed to in front of you uh, for obvious reasons that we've discussed a million times, but it's been a while and I don't know, it feels strange. In any event, uh, I'm very excited about a thought, so <laughs> let's just let's jump right into it. Um, I'm not going to start at the beginning because this thought kind of just occurred and it's it's fresh in the mind and I want to put it on I want to put it on your plate immediately while it's hot. So Yaakov goes to uh to Shem and he buys a place, buys a place over there and uh and Dina gets raped. It's 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 so jarring. It's so jarring because he just finished he just finished dealing with Asov and he was terrified about that. I mean, you're talking, he was terrified about that for years, not, not for days. He's been, he's been scared of this for years. And then he has this intense prayer and the whole, you know, the, the three ways of preparing for Asaph, which maybe we'll discuss afterwards, but it all works out great. And he wrestles with the angel, whatever the heck that means, maybe we'll discuss that and it all works out great. And then he comes to Shem and it, and it even begins, right? It begins by saying, Vayavo Yaakov Shalem Yer Shem. He's Shalem. Everything is so good. He's perfect, right? And we've shown him say, Shalim Begufo, Shalim Bimamono, Shalim Betamudo. He, he knows everything. He's, he's spiritually perfect. He's physically perfect. He's, he's, uh, recent, uh, financially perfect. Like everything's great. Everything's, the guy has four wives, who, two of whom at least are sisters and, and he's Shalim. Like this guy's got it figured out. Okay. This guy has it figured out. And, and what's the first thing that happens? He buys real estate. And what's the second thing that happens? His daughter gets raped. Boom. Boom. Now, Again, remember, remember, the Torah is not telling us the story of the rape of Dina because it's a big story that made the papers. That's not why it's saying this, because you you have to understand from all of the tiny things that it tells you, like Reuven with the Dudaim, right? It's not telling you about major events or small events. It's telling you about things that are uh, that are primal and essential for the development of the Jewish people. That's what it's telling you. So whatever happened in Shem, it doesn't mean that that uh, the, the sons of Yaakov never fought any, any skirmishes with other peoples, that they never got in fights. Doesn't, you know, maybe they did or didn't do anything as bombastic, but it's not there because it's bombastic. So you have to kind of look at it a little bit differently than that, you know, not just a, a headline story. So so she gets taken by by the prince, the Nesiha Aretz, and he does what he does, and then he says, and then uh, they come to to the father of uh, to the father of the girl, and they say, "Look, we have this great plan, right? Because because Shem was totally in love with her, so he says to his father, take this girl for me as a wife.' Um, and uh, and Hamor tries to do that, right? So Hamor goes over to to Yaakov and his sons and says, "Hey, give us your daughter, and um, you know we'll we'll marry your your girls, you'll marry our girls." And the sons of Yaakov are like, um, eh, no can do because you're not circumcised. So if you get circumcised, then we'll do it. And then on the third day, and they did this, they, they, they circumcised themselves. And then on the third day, when they're, when they're like in pain, uh, Shimon and Levi show up and they just murder everybody. <laughs> they just kill everybody, they wipe everybody out. And, uh, and then the rest of the sons of Yaakov come and take all the stuff. Um, and they just totally uh, plunder the city. And then Yaakov says, how, how could you do this? Like, we're going to get killed. 
And uh, from all the you know people around us, they're going to think, hey, these these people are awful, the tricksters. And Shimon and Levi are like, well, should our daughter, be, should our should our sister be considered like a like a harlot? Um, and that's the end of it. That's the end of that story. It's like such a bizarre story. And and how stupid are are Shem and Chamor? Like, sure, you know, we're we're, we're not going to say anything about the rape, right? Like, we're not going to we're not angry at you. We're not angry at you. You know, your son just raped our sister, and um, and everybody knows about it. And you knock on the door, and like, we're not going to have words. We're just going to sit down and have a a cold blooded conversation about commerce. You know, it's going to be wonderful. Um, and they're like, yeah, just just get circumcised, right? And and nobody kind of thinks that that's a little weird. Like that doesn't even take a conversation. <laughs> they go to their, they go to the gates, and everybody, and everybody's like, sure, we'll, we'll, we'll do this, we'll do this. It's a great idea. It's a great idea. And it says, and and Shim, and the 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 brothers of Dina answered Shem and Chamor b'Mirma. B'Mirma. They used the Mirma, right? This this Mirma that we've been hearing about from from Lavan and and from Rivka that she's been with Yaakov. It's this it's Mirma again, all over again with the Mirma. Uh, even though, you know, the Targum is, is a little bit, uh, playing favorites, it seems, because the Targum is Bechachmasa, which means with wisdom, which of course you understand that there's a word, there's a word for wisdom in the Torah, the word is Chachma, but it didn't say Chachma, did it? It said Mirma. So you have to understand what exactly it is the Talmud wants. The Targum, I'm sorry. Uh, but, anyway, here's what I think is going on. <laughs> maybe, maybe here's what's going on. Tell me what you think of this. Shem is, is the prince in town, and he sees this girl, and he's obviously the type of guy, he's the type of guy that sees a girl, and if he wants it, he, he just takes it. Now, this is not strange for us, because we remember this all the way from the times of Abraham and Sarah and Yitzhak and Rivka. The people of these countries, right, if the king wanted you, he took you. And if you wanted your wife and you're married, he just kills you and takes the wife. The only reason that those other guys didn't take Sarah is because they thought they were going to marry Sarah. So they kept trying to ingratiate themselves with Avraham and kind of had this masa umatan, this, this back and forth to be able to actually marry her. So, so Shem acts like this. It's not, it's not this is the first rape that he's done. He's, he's a rapist and he sees a girl and he, he takes her. And then P.S. what happens? He's, he's just, amazed by this girl because she's not like any other girl he's ever met so he he falls madly madly in love with her and says to his father and i'm talking like immediately right so this is this has got to be a real experience for this guy um i don't mean the rape i mean the being around this person this there's something about her that is you know kind of just different so he says to his father take her for me as a wife um Okay, cool. Well, who wouldn't be honored to give their daughter to the prince of the land, right? This is a very wealthy and powerful and powerful family and noble, right? Your, your, your grandchildren will sit on the throne of Shechem. Okay, it sounds, it sounds great. Very, very glorious. Well, when Hamor shows up, what is his strategy? The strategy makes a lot of sense. He goes, we're not going to talk about the fact that you just raped their daughter. We know who this guy Yaakov is. We know who Yitzhak is. We know who Abraham was. You're talking about people who were, right, we found by, by Abraham, the seal, like, you know, these are not the types of people who are going to be okay with what you did. This is not like, uh, just a citizen of Shem that you can get away with doing this. 
you're going to have problems. You're going to have problems. Hamor understands this. So Hamor comes to talk, and you see he goes out, right? He doesn't call you to the palace, but instead, he goes to Yaakov in order to talk to, quote, you know, the father of the girl. And he says, and what does he say? Unbelievable. My son Shem, chashka nafsho bevitchem. My son Shem is in love with your daughter. He's in love with your daughter. I have a great idea. Give her to him as a wife. That's point one. Did I, did I fail to, did I bury the lead? Did I bury the lead? I think I buried the lead. Okay, but let's continue. I'm not going to mention the fact that my son raped your daughter. I'm just going to say my son is in love with your daughter. Give her to him as a wife. Which, by the way, sorry, I was saying many times it's the best, it's the best eventuality anyway, unfortunately, for a woman who's been raped, which is why in the Torah, if a person rapes, there's velocity al isha. But we'll talk about that only later when we get to it. Point is, Hamor doesn't mention that at all. He doesn't mention the fact that, that, you know, that that happened. So he opens up, give, give her to him as a wife. And then he says, Marry with us. Your daughters you will give to us. And our daughters you will take for yourselves. Meaning, let's, let's be together. You will give your daughters to us. Meaning, you'll choose which of your daughters to give to us. And our daughters you will choose which of those you want. Meaning, you have the upper hand with that. And you will live with us. And the Haaretz, the, the other thing, the land is before you. Go make some money, man. Go make money. And then the kid pipes up to the father and the brothers. And he says, I will find favor in your eyes. Whatever you want, I'll give you. I have a lot of money. Just give me this girl as a wife. Just give me this girl as a wife. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. No, I'm so sorry, by the way, I come crying to you, but I think she's unbelievable. I, I, I love her. The guy's like, oh, they're going to give her to me because I have a lot of money, right? These are the same people that just sent Ace of a billion dollars and they were like, the Ace Lee Cole. So these are, these are the people that he's going to buy off. And they answer him with Mirma. What is the father of Shem? What is Hamor and Shem saying? Hamor and Shem are saying, we are going to spin the story. What are you talking about? There's no rape. What rape? We are going to have a state wedding. We are going to have a wedding in, uh, in Canterbury, right? In the, in the big chapel there. What is it? Oh, Westminster. There it is. In Westminster. They're going to get married in Westminster Abbey. And the Archbishop of Canterbury is going to be the Masada Kiddushin. And all the heads of state and the crown princes of Saudi Arabia are going to be sitting there in the front row. It's going to be very, very official. My son loves your daughter. It's incredibly romantic. BBC is going to have an entire movie just fit around your daughter Dina's dress. It's going to be unbelievable. It's great. And not only that, this isn't merely a state wedding. It's not just that my son Shem has finally found his princess Diana. No, no, it's not just that. Get it, Dina? Ha ha. It's not just that. It's not just that. Let's do more of these marriages. Because... We are just so good together, you people and us people. You people and us people. Let's be friends and live together and do businesses together, and it'll be great. Now, what do the brothers reply? The brothers say, well, 
Vayanu bnei Yaakov Shem Eschamor Aviv b'mirma, vayidaberu. The sons of Yaakov answer Shem and Chamor with trickery, and they say, Asher timei es dinachosam, who were metame, the people who were, who defiled Dina, their sister. Well, um, why does it say at the end of the sentence, at the end of the Pasuk, why does it say, Asher timei es dinachosam, that they were metame, Dina, their sister? You already know that. So the Rishonim explain, well, to tell you that this is the, this is the justification for what they did. Meaning, obviously, they're lying. But they're lying for a good reason, because this guy raped their sister. So you would also lie. I, I understand that. That, that. I get that. Of course, it can't possibly mean that, because you already know that. So if it had not told you, and it just said that they told them something and lied to them, which, by the way, you don't have to actually point out that it was Mirma. I see that it was Mirma. Right? That's also a question. Why does the Pesach have to point out, Bayanu, um, B'nei Yaakov, why does that have to tell you it was Mirma? I know it was Mirma by virtue of the fact that three days later they go and do what they did. Unless you're going to say that maybe at the time they, they wanted to do something else. But that's very unlikely. So obviously it was Mirma. Why are you pointing out that it's Mirma, number one? Number two, why do you feel compelled to tell me that the reason they're doing it is because they were Matame Dina? We already know that. So that's not, the re- that's not what the Pusik is saying. The Pusik is defining to you that the statements that they used were Mirma, not lies. No, 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 no. They weren't lies. They were Mirma, which is so much better than a lie. Oh, it's so much better than a lie. And then it's saying, why they used the Mirma specifically and didn't just go and kill them on the spot or kill them afterwards or just take their daughter and go like they said they would. What they're saying is, what they're saying is, you're pretending. Mirma, I, I, I want to I just point out that I think the word Mirma the closest equivalent that I can find for it in the English language is spin. They say, you want to say, you're coming to my house not to apologize on your hands and knees for doing what you did, but to say that the situation is amazing. Everything is wonderful. We're making a wedding. We're having a fairy tale wedding. Oh, wow. Great. Everything's great. That's fantastic. Well, since everything is great, let me tell you, what I would say if everything, in fact, was great. Here's exactly what I would say if you had not raped my sister. This is what I would tell you. I would say we can't marry you because you have Orla. You're not, you're not part of us. You're not part of our nation. We only marry people who are part of our nation. We don't marry out. Can't do that. We cannot consider marrying like this. We're not asking for any money. We don't need any money. What are we your money for? We're billionaires. Listen to what they say. We can't marry someone with an orla. Ach bezos neos lachem. But with this neos, what's neos? It's a strange word. Ach bezos neos lachem. Pasuk tazayin. Ach bezos neos lachem. I think that the word neos, pasuk tazvav. I'm sorry. I think that the word neos means means os. Meaning it means an os. What is an os? An os is a sign. We know that brismila is called an os. It's one of the otot, right? You say that Shabbos is an os, and tefillin are an os, and uh, and brismila is an os. Um, it is a sign that you are uh, that you are Jewish. So they say Achbezos Neos Lachem. With this Neos, we will be Ost to you. If you do this, then if you Kamonu, if you're like us, by the way, are, are the Shemites like them? Clearly not. But if you Kamonu, if you become like us, and your Mal calls Zahar, then we'll give our daughters to you, and your daughters will take for us. 
will dwell with you, but they say the next thing, we'll be one nation. Hamor never said that. Hamor said, we'll dwell together. We'll have a North American trade agreement. It'll be the new NAFTA. It'll be a great free trade agreement. They say, no, 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 no. We don't marry our daughters to people with whom we have trade agreements. We will be one nation. The only people that can marry our daughter are people who are Am Echad. Now, is anything that they said at that point a lie? That is the most truthful and and direct and succinct way of saying what we will tolerate as a nation. We will not give our daughters to people who aren't Jews. It's not happening. It doesn't matter how much money. It doesn't matter the, the social relations. It doesn't matter anything. I'm not going to do it. They are answering them under what pretense? Under the pretense of the one that Shem and Hamor put in front of them. So you are ignoring, you are choosing to ignore the real underlying truth. So instead you're spinning the truth. You, Hamor, and Shem ben Hamor are spinning the events that are happening in a way that will suit you. Okay, I will accept those. I will accept your, the way that you are putting things. I'll talk to you on that framework. Meaning, hey, we can't give our daughter to anyone who has Orla. So it says, they answer Bimirma. Mirma means I am responding to what you are saying, not to what's actually true, but to what you're saying, how you spin the truth. Asher hosam. That, that they, that they defiled her. What does it mean that they defiled her? Let's think for a second. Why do the Jews kill the Shemites? Why do they kill the Shemites? Because they went along with it. What does that mean that they went along with it? There was no reason to kill the Shemites. Kill Shem and Hamor. I mean, certainly Shem you have to kill. The guy, the guy's a rapist kill. And we can all agree, rapist should die. Kill the rapist. Why are you killing everybody else? Listen to what happens. They go to the city. What does it mean that Shlemim Hamitanu? They are they are peace with us. What you think it means we're at peace? Doesn't mean we're at peace. It says when Yaakov came to Shem, Vayavo Yaakov Shalem Ir Shem. He came Shalem. Full. It's the same thing. These people are Shlemim Hamitanu. They are Shlemim. They are full. Meaning, we like these people because of their, the way that they integrate their lives, and they're very resourceful. So, they're going to make business. Let's be one people. But, in order to be one people, you have to, you have to maul. Are not all of their resources for us? All the Jew money. We can have all the Jew money. But we have to be oast to them. And they do this. And they do this. The people all knew that Dina had been taken and that this whole thing was being done under a pretense. And they did nothing. They didn't stand up to their government, to their prince, and say, take responsibility for what you did. They accepted the farce. What the Pasuk is saying is... Vayanu b'nei Yaakov, they answer b'mirma. Again, meaning, 
with spin. I will answer your spin. I will respond to your spin. I'm not going to respond to the truth. And then when it finishes at Vaidabeiru and they spoke, Asher that the one who actually was Metame, meaning that's the truth of what happened. The Pasik is telling you how they answered and what is really true. What is really true was that he was Metameher. But they'll, they'll spin with you. Now let's go backwards just for a moment. Let's go backwards to, to Yaakov. Last week, the Parshas Vayetze, when Yaakov has to learn Yerma. Because we know, right, we're going, listen, man, we're, if, you, if you haven't been following this year since Parshas Barashas, if you're not aware that when we said in Parshas Toldos and Vayetze that we're dealing with Mirma, and the whole reason that Yaakov has to steal the brachas is, is so that he can demonstrate Mirma, and when he shows up to Hadan Aram, which is the place of Ramoim, to live with Lavan Ho'arami, who's been Besuel Ho'arami, the whole bloody thing is about Mirma. And yet, <coughs> and Yaakov shows up, and Yaakov shows up last week, and he says to Rachel, <coughs> excuse me, he says to Rachel, tell your father that I am his brother. I am his brother in trickery. Are you talking about your brother in trickery? You're a moron. Lavan, <coughs> Lavan is the grand poppy of Mirma. The guy's going to make mincemeat out of you. And by the way, he does very rapidly because Yaakov tries to get Rachel, right? He says, give me your daughter, Rachel Bitchak Tana. And then he gives Leia. And then how the heck does that work, right? The whole thing over there doesn't, doesn't make sense. <coughs> Yaakov got taken in by such, a, by such a silly trick. And then by the end of the Parsha, Yaakov tricks Lavan and ends up taking all his sheep. Well, how did that work? Listen, man, I think it's so cool. I think it's so cool. So... In order to understand this properly, I think we have to better understand how Lavan was able to dupe Yaakov into, uh, into marrying Leah and why, and why, like, he let it slide. My father asked the question last week. He was like, I, I, it's crazy, right? And this question must have bothered you. How can it be that Yaakov accepts that? He says to, to Lavan, he says to Lavan, I will, I will stay here and work for you for Rachel Bithachtana. <laughs> and and Lavan says seven years, man. And Yaakov works the seven years to get Rachel Bitrak Dano. And then at the end, he gets the wrong sister. And he says, I don't understand. Lama Rimi Sani. Why have you fooled me? And Lavan says, what are you talking about? You never marry the, the younger before the older. <coughs> okay, so you get the younger one too, another seven years. And Yaakov takes it. Like, that's crazy. Why does, why does Yaakov punch him in the face and say, how dare you? Take this daughter of yours. I don't want her. I want the other one. We had a deal. Let's go. Judge it out right now. How come he doesn't do that? It's a great question. I want to say what I think is the pshat, and I think that that pshat is going to help us understand much more what's going on over here in Shem. It's going to help us understand Mirma in general, um, and it also help us understand how we're supposed to be using Mirma today and why this story is so significant in the year 2020. I think I probably was way too winded getting here. I should have started here, but whatever. That's what happens when you're not in the room. Like, I can't gauge any. Ugh, whatever. Back to here. So. Yaakov shows up at Lavan's house. And he starts working in the sheep. And Lavan says, What, you're my brother and you're going to work for free? Like, tell me what, tell me what your, what your uh, price is. Now, that sentence doesn't make sense. What do you mean, are you my brother and you should work for me for free? You mean my brother works for me for free? I don't know how many of you have a brother, but would you work for your brother for free? Would he work for you for free? That's a ridiculous thing. So it means you're, you're reading the Pasuk wrong. 
What the Pasuk is saying is, Meaning, are you my brother? And you would work for me for free? Meaning, obviously, if you're my brother, you're not my slave, and therefore, tell me what your price is. That's what he's saying to him. He's saying, if you're my brother, which was the first thing you said when you showed up in Aram Harayim, then you can't work for me for free. That's the point of the Pasuk. He says, what do you want? And he says, Lavan and Lavan has two daughters. The older one is Leah, the younger one is Rachel. And, and Yaakov says, uh, I'll work for you seven years, Barachel Bichakano. Can you imagine how much of an idiot Yaakov sounds like at that moment to all the people in the room? I'm sorry for saying so. You understand how crass he sounds? You just showed up your penniless. You showed up at your uncle's house. You've never met me before. Obviously, you're my family, so I'm going to take you in. And you're telling me that you were thrown out of your house because you stole from your brother. And I said, well, you can, I'm going to take you in. But, like, you can't, you know, you can't work for free. So what do you want? You have to earn a living. And your response is, I'll work for you seven years for your daughter? I want a girl? Huh? It's so strange. What a strange thing for Yaakov to say. Because he never mentioned that he came to find a wife. He never mentioned that. So what does Lavan say? Lavan says, well, better that I give her to you than someone else. Better you than someone else. Like, whoa, huh? Huh? And then Shvaimadi, live with me. What are you talking about live with me? I don't what's, what does live with me? Have you be work for me? You said you'd work. What the Pasik is saying is Lavan understands Yaakov to be saying Lavan understands Yaakov to be saying, I am out of my father's household now. I want to be part of your household. I don't want money that you're paying me as a worker. I want to be part of your household. I'm going to marry your daughter. That's what he's saying. So therefore, Lovin's response is, well, better you than someone else. Shva'imadi. Dwell with me. Okay, you're in the family now. Fine. By the way, you understand why it's such a betrayal, why at the end of the parcel of Yaakov runs away, yeah? So that's to make sense now. So, Lovin says, you don't, you've never met my daughters. <laughs> you met... Rachel, who was six years old when you came to town. So he said, you want to marry my daughter. That's the only reason that you want the daughter. You don't have a particular daughter that you want. You want to marry into my house so that you could be part of the family. Okay. Well, you know, you know we would never do that. If the whole reason that you're married, that you want my daughter is because you want to marry in, then obviously you meant this. It didn't matter which daughter you get. Shvaimadi is the issue. Okay, so now you're telling me, no, but you love that one. You're telling me that there's a reason that you have to marry that one specifically. Okay, fine, I'll give you that one also for another seven years. Now, again, why is that Mirma? How did Yaakov try to get around the Mirma? And why is it Mirma? And why did it work? Yaakov tried to get around the Mirma by saying, I will work for you for seven years. For Rachel, your daughter, the younger one. I think more explains Rachel. I want that one. You say, oh, okay, I'll find the Rachel from the cross the street. No, no, no. Bitcha, your, your daughter. Oh, okay, so I'll, I'll call Leah Rachel. I'll change her name. No, no, no. Haktana, the younger one. I mean, Yaakov is getting very Jewish lawyer on him. And he's closing up all the sides. He's making sure that it's impossible to squirm out of the contract because the contract is about Rachel Bitcha Haktana. 
and Lavan pulls the rug right out under him. How? He said, what are you talking about? This never had anything to do with the particular girl at all. This deal never had anything to do with the particular girl. This was only that you wanted to marry into my house, which was evidenced by the fact that when I asked you what you wanted to make as a living, your response was, give me a girl. Well, guess what? You can't pay for Starbucks with a girl, right? At least I hope not. So it must be shva imadi that you want to live with me. Well, then you'll take this one first because that's how we do things. Why was Yaakov's why was Yaakov's attempt at at um, cutting off at staving off Lavan's mirma unsuccessful? Because the way that Yaakov tried to get around Lavan's mirma was to set it contractually. Rachel bitcha haktana that never works with Mirma. What is Mirma? Mirma is spin. It doesn't matter what the words are. I'll, I'll give you an example. <laughs> what constitutes high crimes and misdemeanors, for example, in today's day and age? It's whatever you want. The words of a contract do not help you with Mirma. Mirma is a story. Mirma is a narrative. Mirma is a context. This is, by the way, just foreshadowing why the Gemara says that Bilam is Lavan. He's the story man. He's the narrative guy. The most dangerous man you've ever met. He's the most important thing Yisrael has to contend with in the year 2020. And ever before and ever since. Yaakov tries to save off Mirma with contractual obligations. Lavan whacks him and says it was never about any of those things. That's Mirma, the narrative. Now let's see how Yaakov responds to Lavan by the end of the Parsha, and then how our boys do it in this Parsha. Lavan, Lavan, uh, Yaakov says, I want to go because I have to, I have to start making money now. Obviously, because he hasn't been making money. He's only been making girls and babies. So Lavan says, okay, what do you want? What do you want? Tell me, tell me what your price is. And Yaakov says, perfect Mirma. <laughs> perfect Mirma. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Don't even pay me a salary. I'm worth, look man, I'm, I'm Russell Wilson. I'm worth $35 million a year. I'm worth $35 million a year. I'm one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I'm worth $35 million. I'm not gonna make you pay me $35 million. I'm not gonna make you pay me, I'm gonna go easy on you. Just give me, just give me the crappy sheep. I'll take the crappy sheep. And you get to determine what crappy is. You get to pick the definition of crappy. Not me. You. I will let you decide on November 3rd, before the season of the whatever, the goats and the sheep and da-da-da, you'll decide what constitutes crappy and I'll only take those. And Lovin says, hey, oh my God, if only it would be this way. Hey, this guy's a moron. Doesn't he understand? If he would have asked me for 48% of the business, I would have given it to him. I would have given 48% of the business. He's, I know this guy's my meal ticket. This guy's my meal ticket. He could, I would have paid him $35 million a year. I'd be happy to get up at $32 million. You're telling me he only wants the crap? Great. What happens? All the crap turns to gold. All the crap turns to gold. What was Lavan ignoring? What was Lavan ignoring? The truth. He was spinning. He was spinning. He said, I want to believe something. I'll spin it to myself and to others. And I'll say, hey, listen, I don't want to pay you. I don't want to pay you a nickel, but I know how valuable you are. 
So I'm forced to. I'm forced to pay you. How much can I get away with? That's what I'm really looking for. I'm looking for how much can I get away with or how little can I get away with paying you, right? How little can I pay you and get away with it? That's what he wants. So that's exactly what Yaakov gives to him. Yaakov says, I'll deal with you right there. I'll deal with you right there. Give me the least possible conceivable thing. Something that's so crazy that it's not even believable. That, that Lavan is going to say, if only it would be like that, right? It's not believable that he would go for something like this. And he tries to, to switch it a hundred times just to ensure on his actuarial tables that it'll never end up good. And Yaakov ends up with everything. Why? Because the real truth is it doesn't matter what you say. God's running the genetics. So the crappy ones are going to turn to gold. That's the real truth. So Mirma, how do you win with Mirma? Not by sending contracts, but rather, but rather by responding on the basis of the Mirma itself. Give the Ramai the rope and he will hang himself. That's, that's how you deal with Mirma. How you deal with Mirma. This is, by the way, why, why Hasbara doesn't work. Why Hasbara doesn't work. You know, they have these, Big apartheid walls that they put up in the, uh, that they put up in colleges, right? Israel Apartheid Week. Everybody have Jews saying Kaddish for, for terrorists. And, and what do the Jews immediately do? They, they run and say, no, Israel's the only democracy in the Middle East, and it's the startup nation, and we're the most moral army, and look at this report says that we're very moral, and that report that says we're very moral. Do they ever respond to those points? No. He's <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> Don't you see? The, the BDS never responds to the fact that Israel's a democracy or that the Hamas kills homosexuals. Like, what are you not understanding? I'm pushing a narrative, and the narrative is dead Palestinian children. You think it matters if you're the only democracy in the Middle East? You think it matters that you're the most military? You're the most, uh, you drop leaflets before you bomb things? That's not the point. You'll never win if that's your Hasbara. How do you win? You accept the narrative. You accept the narrative. You want to see the Palestinian kids that I killed? You want to see them? Let me show you. Let's go to Gaza. Take a look. Shine a spotlight on Gaza. Don't run away from Gaza. Shine a spotlight on Gaza. Let people see precisely who you're shooting at. (laughs) No problem. Say you killed him. Yes, I did. Let's take, let's take a look at him. That's the only way to do the Hasbara. Stop denying and calling yourself moral. Show. Show the reality. The deeper truth, the real truth, not the spin. Not the spin. So Shimon and Levi and all the sons of Yaakov, they say, they say back to, um, the Shem and Hamor, I'll accept your narrative. I will totally ignore the fact that you've done this actual true thing, which, by the way, I thoroughly intend to kill you for. <laughs> like, you, you raped my daughter. You're dead, man. You don't, if you would have brought that up, I would have said it to your face. Say, how can we deal with this? Well, we can't deal with this. Right? Or we'd have a real maso mat. And I would take my daughter. But you want to spin. And you want to pretend that everything is hunky-dory and we're going to have the fairy tale wedding and we're going to be amechad. So Bnei Yaakov answered him straight up, oh, you want to know what it takes to be Am Echad with us? We'll tell you. We'll tell you exactly what it takes to be Am Echad with us. That's how they answered them. 
Asher Timu as Dina Achosam. But you know the real truth, the ones who are Metameya. That's why we're going to kill you. We've already decided to kill you. You are Metame Dina. So again, why are you killing the rest of the Shemites? Because they accepted the, the flaw, not the flaw, they accepted the farce too. They accepted the same farce. They said, oh yeah, then we're going to pretend that this is what's going on. No, this is what's going on. It's awful. Call them out on it. There's a problem. I think that's what Mirma means. Mirma is the spin. And the ability to take the spin to its eventual, eventual end. And let the end be the undoing of the Ramai. Don't get, don't get uh, contractual. Alan Dershowitz cannot win BDS arguments. He can't. He can win in the Supreme Court, but he can't win BDS arguments. That's not what wins. You know what wins? BDS arguments, honestly, what I think wins? Ali G. Ali G wins. Like when, when Ali, when, when, when Sasha Baron Cohen makes a movie like The Dictator, like that's, that's how you beat BDS. When, when Adam Sandler does the Zohan, that's how you beat BDS. With more of that. With more of that. But anyway, okay. So, now let's back up for a moment and let's talk about the beginning of the Parsha. So, Yaakov sends messengers to Esau, Arza Seir stay at home and says, Oh, I'm coming, Abdecha Yaakov, and, and here I'm going to send you a bunch of animals. Um, and the angels come back, the angels, the messengers, whatever, the agents, they come back and they say, yes, we came to your brother Esau, and he's coming to meet you with 400 men. And Yaakov freaks out, and he splits up everybody. He's got the two camps. Uh, and that way, if he smites one, the other one can be free. There's Yaakov thinking like a good general, and uh, he prays to the Lord. Uh, he prays to the Lord and um, prepares for war, and those are the three big things, right? Again, remember, this Parsha is totally pivotal in terms of understanding the future of Yisrael, right? And this is actually the Parsha where Yaakov becomes Yisrael, and that's not accidental. So, what's Yaakov doing? Why is he informing Esav at all? Why is he informing Esav at all? And why is he sending a bribe? Do you think if Esav wants to kill Yaakov, because Yaakov took the bracha, and stole it from him. What's it going to help to send him the all this stuff? Why doesn't he just take? Why doesn't he just accept the stuff and then kill Yaakov, or just kill Yaakov and take all his stuff? Like, wh- why wouldn't he just do that? I don't understand. Oh, because now that I sent you a gift, gift, <laughs> you stole everything from me. If if I own, if I I am the heir to the to the Lamborghini company, and my evil uncle. Hey, let's use let's use a better let's use a better one, okay? We'll do the Prince of Saudi Arabia because this actually happened. It's more believable than me being the heir to the Lamborghini fortune. So, uh, Mohammed bin Salman is the son of King Salman, who is the king of Saudi Arabia. He was not the crown prince, okay? Just a few years ago, he was not the crown prince. I think he's one of his uncles, Ibn Aziz, like whatever that was. I'm not obviously I'm not up on the names, but one of his uncles was the crown prince, and then all of a sudden he basically did a coup and overthrew the other powerful members members of the royal family with American mercenaries, um, or with the help of American mercenaries, and then proceeded to imprison them in the Ritz Hotel for months and extort all their money. Like, this is, this is Reuters, okay? I thought this is not uh, uh, the HuffPo or Drudge. Like, this is actual news, okay? This happened. So, he overthrows him. Can you imagine, can you imagine if you overthrow this guy who's the former crown prince, and that crown prince is much stronger than you, 
Do you think you're going to make him not crush your puny little brain just because you sent him some money? Like, if the if his uncle, the former crown prince, who's now the crown prince of nothing, is Yordle the Turtle, if he would have gone and then become emperor of China, don't you think China would invade Saudi Arabia and crush Mohammed bin Salman and take all of his oil fields in Aramco? Don't you think that? So why does Yaakov think by sending him some, pre- some presents and prizes that it's going to be good? Like it, it doesn't make any sense. And then he's got this whole fight with the man thing, which is really weird also. Here's, here's perhaps what's happening. Here's perhaps what's happening. It's all about Mirma, right? There are two possible narratives that are happening right now with Yaakov and Esau. Two, not one. One narrative is your little brother stole your birthright, your collection of Fabergé eggs, and blew the country. <laughs> he fled because you're going to kill him. Okay? That's, that's, uh, narrative one. Narrative two is, although you were too young and immature to understand it at the time, you and I are part of a grander plan in our family, and I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to do, and you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. And we're partners. And in fact, and in fact, I love you. That's another narrative. Which one of those narratives are true? The answer is yes. Meaning both. Both of those are true at times. Which is what means, but we'll get to that. So Yaakov sends messengers to say, I'm coming to you. What are you, what are you you're sending messengers here coming to me? Why don't you just go to your father? Esau lives in Seir. Don't say anything. <laughs> go to your father Yitzhak and have Yitzhak make peace for you. Like, what are you doing? I think the idea is, Yaakov is saying to Esau openly, Hey man, I've been doing, uh, been doing the job. What have you been doing? I've been with Lavan, just like, just like it says in the manual, like I was supposed to do, and this is what I did, and by the way, I made a ton of money, things are going great. Um, you know, you're the master for the time being, I'll explain that in a few moments. You're the master for the time being, here's my kickbacks, like a good, like a good mafia capitan. By the way, the things that Yaakov sends are very, very specific, maybe, talk about that maybe on Chavez. Um, incredible gifts. Incredible gifts. And they say to him, Banu el achicha el esav. He's achicha and he's esav. Meaning, we don't know which narrative it is that he sees. We don't know whether esav actually wants to kill you or whether esav is like, oh, this is the greatest thing in the world. We're together. And for the last 20 years we've been together. We've always been together. Yeah, there was a moment of anger. I wasn't ready. Literally. Which one is true? Oh. Both, and they say that to him. And that's why it says, Vayishakehu, and it says, Vayinashkehu. He kissed him. He meant to bite him. Right? That's the whole, that's the whole duality of, of the Ace of and Yaakov relationship. Well, Yaakov is preparing for both possibilities. But why would he say something that's so clearly false? Why would he say, hey, we've been together the whole time? Why, why would he say something so stupid like that? 
The answer is, it's not false at all. It's the ultimate truth. It's actually true. It's the truth. It's the truth. When they finally meet, Asa accepts the truth. The truth is, and this is, of course, the vision that Yaakov had originally by the latter. The truth is that Esav is going to develop the world to a point where it is ready. That's going to take thousands of years. And he is going to be in charge for those years. And then after that, Yaakov is going to take the helm. That's what it means. And that's what Esav wants. Esav wants this world, not the one that's coming. He wants this one. And Yaakov wants the next one that's coming. He doesn't want this one. Esav gets exactly what he wants, and Yaakov gets exactly what he wants. That's the truth. And the only time that Esav gets angry and murderous about Yaakov is when he thinks that Yaakov is trying to take this world from him. When Yaakov tries taking this world from him, that's already, hey, why are you usurping me? So, Esav says to him, Achi, Yehilach Oh, you have what's yours. What's Yehilach Asher Lach? Oh, he's not taking the gift. No, it's not what it means. It says Rashi, Mikan Here, Esav admits to Yaakov that the brachos are his. He says, you know what, Yaakov? You take it. You take, you're right. You're right. You're right. The, the, the Olam Haba, that's you. That's you, man. Take it. The brachas are for you. The bachor is for you. Well, well, Yaakov says, I will go and meet with you in the end. Why does he say that? Because we mentioned that Yaakov is the process man, which is the sulam of Yaakov. Esau goes up 2,000 rungs. Yaakov is going to have to methodically, one step at a time, slugfest throughout the mires and murk of history to get finally where it is that we're going. Esav is already there, which as we've mentioned, of course, is inherent and essential in their names. Esav's name means Asoy, finished. Yaakov's name means he will be on the heels of. It was always in their names from the moment that they were born that this was their destiny, that Yaakov would be Ani Esnahalali Iti. I will go slowly. I will live in a world of process and grueling process. And Esav will have everything now, which is, of course, why it's Mechra Kayom as Chali. Now, Yaakov can't be Israel until there are three entities that have to agree that Yaakov is Yisrael. The first is his father, when he says, The second is Saro Shel Esav, who says, Lo Yeomer Ochimcha Yaakov ki im Yisrael. And the third is Esav, Achi Yehilacha Asher Lach. After those happen, Hashem can, co- can come and bestow upon him the name of Yisrael, which um, I thought we would have a little bit more time to discuss, but I cannot. Have an amazing, amazing Shabbos. I hope this wasn't too convoluted. Um, just again, remember, Mirma is spin. It's not a lie, it's spin. And the reason that the Pasuk is pointing it out uh, and the reason it tells us the whole story of Shem is because it's the story of it's the story of our lives, man. It's the history of Israel, like we say all the time. Uh, same story all the time. Have an amazing Shabbos.